You're listening to Insights for Living with Pastor Boju Oyemade. Pastor Boju is the senior pastor of the Covenant Nation. So if you are going to see God, all right, and going to see a fresh move of God in your life, make sure you follow peace. In other words, Satan wants to trip you off by getting into unforgiveness. Once something, things are happening around, it means there's something new that wants to come out and there's some heaviness and sorrow. And it says, give time, which means separate yourself to prayer. Uh, there's no other way I want to say this. Prayer is labor. Let me repeat. Prayer is labor. What is laborious in this Christian work is praying. Praying is a labor, and that's why most people don't do it. In other words, you are there in traveling prayer. You are there when Jesus entered into Gethsemane to pray. The Bible says his sweat was as blood. This is what people don't want to do. All right, they don't want to push that particular thing out. They don't want to devote the next 90 days of their lives, two hours every day. It will take that to push that particular thing out of their being. They don't want to do that. They just want to continue to coast and do this. And some people are doing that, waking up at night, 2 a.m., pushing and pushing and pushing. Now, when they begin to push, I'm going to show this here, and they start getting the knowledge of wisdom on how to do things, and they start moving, then the people that didn't push down wake up and say, where are you going? Where are you going? Come back here. All right? Hey, come back here. I don't want to pull you back, all right, into that, uh, that place where you used to be. And I don't, they don't know that you have, all right, been separated unto God uh, for a season. Carmen, there used to be a music minister, all right, he's going to be the Lord. He said, look, he had talent to go sing. And he said, well, one day he shot himself for four months, restricted going out. He spent hours in prayer. He said, that's how he broke through and became. Prayer is laborious. Let me say this. This kind of praying is not shiki shiki. And you drink, oh boy, it's not like that. Paul said, my little children of whom I travail in birth again. He said, the way in which I can describe this nature of prayer is a woman in a labor world giving birth. He said, listen, the joy that you have from this kind of prayer is the results. But praying that thing is not, it's not sweet. Oh. Take all the notes. If you can't pray like that, you won't see. All right? That's what Christians don't want to do. All right? So they shy away from that intense place, right, in prayer. So it says this. Now, let's quickly show what this will lead to quickly. It says in Romans 9, 3 here. For I wish I myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Verse 4. Who are the Israelites? To whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the law, the promises? Verse 5, whose are the fathers? To whom concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all? Verse 6. Not as though the word of God, now listen to what Paul is about to say, has not taken effect, for they are not all Israel that are of Israel. He said, it is not everybody who you call an Israelite that is a true Israelite. Next verse. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Verse 8. That is, they which are the children of the flesh. 
They are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for seed. Now look at what he says next. For this is the word of promise. Now we're getting back to God giving a word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. Verse 10. And not only this, but when Rebekah had conceived by one, even by her father Isaac. Now hear what he says, 11. For the children being not yet born and haven't done any good or evil, that's the purpose of God according to election may stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. In other words, what he's saying is that before, this thing he's talking about is that before any child was even born, and no works were done, whether good or evil, which means whether the person is nice growing up or the person wasn't nice, whether the person was good or the person was evil, that wasn't the point here. Is the purpose that God had established over the life of that individual even before they were born. In other words, the purpose of God is by election and not by works. So he's saying that everybody, God has called every single person to do something. And he says that this calling is on the inside of them. And it's this calling that is creating the heaviness that is in their lives and the sorrow. In other words, until they come in alignment with what God has placed on the inside of them, and the vision is as big as God himself has ordained it to be, and they are pursuing that particular thing, it says there will be this continuous sorrow and there will be this heaviness on the inside. And this thing is by election. It is what God, all right, elected you to do before you even, it says, you are separated from your mother's womb for this purpose. And every born-again Christian has this purpose on the inner side of them. And God says this purpose has got to come out. And how it's going to come out says there's a word of promise inside the scripture that I will make to you. And I'm going to show you and I'm going to promise you something. In other words, I'll come through and give you a promise. And once you see that promise, that promise there will tell you what I want to do through you as an individual and the size of the vision that I have for your life. And I want you to run that race that is set before you. That's why Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding might be opened up that we might know the hope. Is that same hope of his calling. Because he is calling every single person into something. And that thing is around what you are doing. If you are not yet in it, which means it's around it in his sovereignty. He never makes you very far from it, which means it's around it. But he wants to show you that this is what I want to do right in and through you as an individual. And then he goes on and says, it's not of him that runneth, all right, of him that willeth, but it's of God that showeth mercy. So God shows mercy and reveals this particular hope and this expectation, all right, to us. And it's about you taking time praying and telling God, look, there's something yearning on the inside of me. 
and I've got to bring myself into, into perfect alignment. Look, let me tell you this. And once you see that scripture, once you see the scriptures that he's telling you, listen to what I'm about to tell you. If scriptures is telling you, if he tells you, if he shows you that leave, let's just say this um, figuratively now, as he told Abraham, leave your father's house, leave this group here because I'm taking you somewhere else. From the day he shows you that scripture, that group will not treat you right again. Listen, from the day you see that scripture, if you try to go back, if you were to sit here, they'll say, go and sit over there. And the Holy Ghost said, didn't I tell you? The kind of acceptance you had there, you are not going to have that acceptance again. There will be a struggle because he has already shown you that thing. And if you keep pushing it, don't push it to the point where the Holy Spirit says, I will not strive with flesh again. You've got to respond to that particular thing. Now, responding to it is what we are saying now, that what happens most of the time is that people just get up sometimes without even clarifying the vision, which means they are just heavy about things and they just try to do things. I say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, and they are correct. That's what I'm saying. You are close. You just haven't clarified, which means you are still seeing men as trees. You are saying I'm an entrepreneur. Yes, you are an entrepreneur, but it is about the business he wants you to get into. Do you get what I'm saying here? You've gotten it. You, you are close. All right. But it's about the business. All right. And, and if you don't get that thing clear, and, and then you just say, okay, so how am I going to become an entrepreneur? Uh, resign. How about you can't suffer? Because that's not what God is saying. He has to give you instructions. Do you get what I'm saying here? He has to give you the instructions. The same way he told Noah, build the ark this way. This is the size. This is the dimension. This is what? He, you have to receive instructions. All right? And that's the knowledge of wisdom on how to do it. Now, so how do you get that knowledge of wisdom? So first thing is clarify that vision there by, by, by God speaking to you from the scriptures. And he now paints the picture of what he wants to do through you as a person. Alright? Now, this doesn't mean you have to go and own your business. That, that does not mean. Alright? Some of the most influential people in scriptures, I've said this, alright, to Christians several times, particularly when we want to do politics, even though I say I won't talk anything about politics. But look, my friend, look, my friend, you don't have to be number one to be the one influencing the government. To be number one is very expensive. It costs money. Democracy is expensive. It, it is cash. You may not agree, but that is how it is. It costs money. And I've told people, some, some Christians in the church, they brought me, they said, listen to me, we can, we can, we can start our, our independent party and we'll get a candidate. I told them, I said, before you start any party, go and gather 500 million naira, then pack it together, then put it here, and I'll pour petrol on it and burn it. If you can stay steady, you are ready to start your party. <laughs> if you can, as your money is burning, you just stand. But if you say, but what's going on? You are not ready for politics. I said, that's all I will tell you. Hillary Clinton spent a billion dollars. Lost election. One billion USD. 
and they were not buying delegates. That's democracy. It's not cheap. So, even if you want to invest in those things, just know that this money I commit because, listen, I've said this, it's better to miss God in ministry than politics because, you see, ministry is you and God. Politics is you and men. <laughs> Let me just tell you a story. A friend of mine came from a, comes from a wealthy family where he is. So he wanted to become a House of Rep candidate. And they knew his father was very influential. He spent 42 million on the primaries, 42 million, just to get the ticket. On the day of the primary election, as he was coming to the grounds of the election, they just started singing, we now, we now, we now. So they carried him up and they were throwing him up in the air. They did not drop him for two hours until they finished the election. And by the time they dropped him, the winner was coming out. So they organized to carry him in the air, singing winner oh, until they finished the election. They said we didn't know. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying here? So you, you, you have to have, you know, that kind of mindset. We're going to, we're just going there. So, being number two, Joseph was number two. Wasn't he number two? Daniel was what? Number two. But to be that number two, you have to be steady. Because sometimes they'll put idols outside. And that doesn't mean you resign. Do you understand what we're saying? Let me move on. Christians, I say, Christians are not ready for this. It's Twitter we like. Okay. <laughs> That's Twitter. And WhatsApp chat. That's the one we like. And I'm angry. All right, but let me go back to what I'm saying here. So, God gives you that hope. Now, quickly, Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, so this is what he was saying, the same thing, is that they might be saved, for I bear them record they have a zeal for God. But he said something was not there. But not according to knowledge. So, there was a knowledge that God had for them there, about, but they had zeal, they were doing many zealous things, but they didn't have that knowledge. So he was praying for them. There was desire, but they didn't have that desire had not been translated into revelation. And they were praying for them and desire, and they were zealous, and they were doing several things. Now, verse 3, it now went on. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness or God's provision, going about to establish their own righteousness, doing several things, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness that is of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness that is of the law, that a man that doeth this thing shall live by them. But the righteousness that is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thy heart who shall ascend, all right, or who shall descend, what saith it, the word is nigh thee in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith we preach. In other words, what he's saying is, all right, this is how it starts. God reveals to you the word of promise. And then you take the word of promise and place it on your lips. And it gets into your heart and you build your confession of hope concerning that particular thing there. That's the first thing. So he reveals something to you in scripture and then it becomes your confession. Now, let me say this. There's a difference. The confession of hope is a continuous affirmation of what you believe. 
It is a continuous, all right, uh, or you continuously testify to a truth that you have embraced. And by doing that, you are anchoring your soul continuously to the hope that is set before you so that your mind is steadied on your vision and goal. And there's that anchor there that is taking you somewhere. But it is not a declaration of faith. Now, God showed me and said, look, what you've been calling confession of faith is confession of hope. He said a declaration of faith as Jesus taught it. And you find anywhere, there are words, conf confessions of hope, are affirmations you declare about yourself, what you believe and all of that. But a declaration of faith are words that you speak to things on the outside, which are instructions or commandments that you give to them. So I check it. So I started checking. Jesus said, have the faith of God. If you will say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, it was a word of command instruction. If you will say, when Jesus came, he spoke to the fig leaves. No man shall eat fruit of you. It was a commandment and instruction. When he saw the winds, he said, peace be still. A commandment and instruction. When he saw the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. It's a commandment and instruction. When he got to Lazarus' grave, when it was a confession of his hope, when he said he's dead four days now, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. That didn't bring Lazarus out. If he stood before that grave and said, I am the resurrection and life, that was a confession of his hope, an affirmation of what he believed. But to get Lazarus' house, it was an instruction. Lazarus, come forth. Now, Christians don't talk to things. We confess who we are in Christ, but we don't talk to things. So, if you stand before a mountain and a mountain threatens you, then you say to yourself, greater is he that is in me than he that is inside the world. But after you have said that, it will remain as a mountain until you tell the mountain to depart. All right? Well, first, we'll get into it again. One of the first Americans that came to teach us faith in Baden Den, I mean, my pastor used to teach it, but he brought Careful Dollar, I think, in 1989, and brought somebody else. I can't remember the man's name. And the man used to tell us, you know, he taught us, he said, look, I opened my fridge. He said, I had nothing. My fridge was empty. I spoke to the emptiness. He said, we don't talk. He showed us two images there of his, his garden. Everything was dry. He said, I spoke to the grass. Every morning I would get up and I would say, that's what Jesus said we should do. I talked, I talked because that's where it came from. Words. I kept speaking those words and giving instruction. He said, look at how everything has changed. We don't talk to things. All right? We make confession of hope. We affirm what we believe, but we don't externalize it. Now, so what will this confession of hope do for us? Hebrews 6, 19 and 20, and I'll bring this to a close here. It says, which hope we have as an anchor to our soul, both sure and steadfast, and takes us within the veil. That's what it does. You are not supposed to now, I now have the promise. What am I to do with the promise? Is to take you into the veil. What's the veil? It's to take you into the innermost courts. Esther chapter 4 and verse 11. In the book of Esther, Esther gave us the clue. The book of Esther is the only book in the Bible that God is not mentioned. The name God. So everything is typology. All right. So the king was a type of God. It says, and all the king's servants and the people of the king's promises do know whosoever, all right, whether man or woman shall come unto the king into the inner court, who is not called. Which means if you are going to come into the inner court, it has to, you have to be it's based on your calling, which means the hope that God gave you, the word of promise that he gave to you. 
That's what you use to come into the holiest of all. Because when you come into the holiest of all in Hebrews 9.24, you have entered into heaven itself. Hebrews 9.24 tells us, it says, For Christ has entered not in holy places made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. In other words, when you take that hope and you go into God's presence, you go into heaven itself, which means you have a spiritual, it's a spiritual encounter with heaven itself. Your presence, spiritual presence, is in heaven there over that subject matter. That is where... All right, there is a transference of the substance. It is the hope that takes you in. And then there's a transference of that substance that you will now come out with the substance. And based on that substance, then ideas begins to come to you. All right, the knowledge of how you're going to get it done. But something was deposited. That's where Peter and John went into when they came out of prayer. And they said, silver and gold we do not have. But what we have received, just received from heaven, give we unto you. And this is it. And it was a command. It was an instruction in the name of Jesus, right? Rise up and work. That's always, faith is always, all right? I said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and work. So they spoke, but they had received a substance when they went in. The final scripture come next week, Hebrews 9.8. All right? It says, for the Holy Ghost thus signifying, the way into the holiest of all was not made manifest. That means nobody knew how to get into the holiest of all while the first tabernacle was yet standing. Now he has shown us. The blood has been shed, but he has now shown us. If you are coming into the holiest of all, you are going to come in with the hope that I have given to you. So when he told Mary and said, Mary, you are going to conceive without a man. She said, how can this happen? He said, you know what? I have given you the hope. Come into heaven itself, and you will come out of heaven with the results. The Holy Ghost, which means you come in. You come in. Abraham's body was dead, but he entered into heaven with that hope and there was a transference of life. Which means that something enters into you when you come into heaven itself. That's what happened in the holiest of all. That's what happened. Our scripture I was going to quote in Hebrews 9.8 when it talked about the fact that Sorry, 9-4. It talked about the fact that Aaron's rod that budded. When you get into the presence of God, what was there? Golden center, ark of the covenant with gold, golden pot. Aaron's rod that budded. What was he doing? What about? Is that, listen, Aaron back then, they, they were all, there was strife between the people and Moses and Aaron. They were challenging them. Mo Moses brought judgment on them. The people still rebelled and all of that. And God said, let me show the difference. He said, tell everybody to cut their um, branches and bring it into my presence. He says, whoever have called that person's branch is going to blossom and bring forth fruits in 24 hours just as a branch hanging. And it, Aaron's own blossom, which showed that it, he's the one I invited in. So when God gives you a hope there and you have a promise, on that premise, you can enter into heaven with songs and prayers about that particular thing there. And heaven deposits something inside your heart. And you come out and people say that we can see that this person has been with Jesus. This intelligence is not from here. 
This wisdom is not from the earth. These strategies are not human. Something has entered into this person. And as they begin to carry out those strategies and do what they are doing, then they are giving that substance out. And that's how there's a materialization. That's why there can be no faith without real deep fellowship with God. There can't, there's not like faith on the outside. You can be confessing hope, all right? You can receive revelation by confessing hope. That's what Jesus was saying. He said, search the scriptures. You think in them you have eternal life, but you won't come to me. That's in heaven where I am, that you may have life, that I might impart. I will take off from this next week, impart that life. So please, don't forget this here. Take your desires. Your desires are an indication of something that is inside you, but it's a promise. You have to clarify the vision and you have to get the promise. But that desire is not a, and it's not disobedient. It's just that it has to be, you have to take it to God and then God sanctifies it by showing you so that you have. Because the code into heaven itself is the promise he has given to you. That is what you are going to sing. That is what you are going to pray. That is how you are going to receive. That's how the sub, there will be a withdrawal of that substance. The substance goes into your body. The substance goes into your mind. The substance goes into your intellect. The substance goes into your emotions. All right, you become a calm person. You are not, you see, it affects your entire being. It was the substance that quickened, all right, Abraham's body. Quickened, Sarah. It was that substance that the Bible says when she was judged as being dead, something came out of her. It was that substance. It is that when Jesus said, virtue and power has left me. It is, it's some, that's what they put on handkerchiefs and they place handkerchiefs. It's a spiritual substance. It's like you got electricity out of heaven, transferred it into cloth and then said, go there and anything it touches begins. It is spiritual. It is real. But it is gotten in heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your word. And I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. If there's any area within their lives, and everybody has that, that this conversation is going on with heaviness and sorrow. That, as they offer their prayer unto your Lord, open up the pages of the scriptures that show them what you are saying and doing about it. And that through that, they have access into your own mind where the substance of that vision is released into their beings. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. This podcast is brought to you by the Covenant Nation. For more information, visit www.insightsforliving.org. Thank you and God bless.